Hello, my name's Heather, and this is my posh boyfriend, Max. Hello. And this is our podcast, Posh Things My Boyfriend Says. Hello and welcome to Posh Things My Boyfriend Says, the podcast that started out being about ridiculous stuff that I say that's quite posh, and now... (laughs) is more sort of an examination of uh, dating across the class divide and our relationship and sort of, you know, class dynamics and dating generally, isn't it? It is. Yeah. We've not we've not actually read anything out from from the posh things my boyfriend says archives. No, um, for a long maybe time. Maybe I should dig something out. Yeah, probably. You did actually say something quite funny the other day, though. Um, Amazing. A few weeks ago, you said it's good to really bring the noise in the kitchen every now and then. <laughs> <laughs> is that like is that a posh thing to say? I don't. In your accent, yeah. Yeah, I suppose <laughs> it most things. So weird. <laughs> <laughs> um, but. Speaking of bringing the noise, we thought that we'd be talking about music this week. Indeed. Now, this occurred to us as a subject because over the weekend we watched the uh, 2020 film of Emma, the Jane Austen book, which um, we were just massively into because it's all about Georgian loveliness. Absolutely. Yeah, we love a bit of that. But there were were a couple of scenes where ladies sat down at the piano or the piano forte and would sort of, you know, there's this great scene where... Emma plays a piece and it's pretty good, but then this other lady plays, Lady Fairfax, whatever her name is, plays something that's just way better. And we, we were joking around because there's sort of this whole thing about back in the Georgian period, if you're going to pick a wife, it's like, is she diseased? Yes or no. If no, is she like relatively accomplished? So if she can play the piano, then that's sort of super hot and you've just got to snap her up as a wife, basically. <laughs> Which kind of got me thinking on the sort of music thing if that's still applicable in modern dating and then if that sort of breaks down across um class lines at all so you know i play a couple of instruments i play saxophones i learned it at school i taught myself guitar i can play a little bit of piano and if i think about my friends i actually i don't really know anyone that i was at school with doesn't at least play one instrument which is quite interesting i think because that's definitely not true of everybody and in the past you've made a couple of comments like um that you quite like it that i'm quite accomplished yes sounds a bit um self-aggrandizing when i say it but is is that like a thing so from like a female perspective setting aside class from a second like if if a guy can do something like play an instrument is that inherently attractive do you think um I mean, for for me, yeah, for sure. Like somebody who's com like competence is isn't quality I find very attractive. Mm. So if somebody's really good at their job, <laughs> like sure. I'm not, yeah. I'm not necessarily always saying sexually attractive, but somebody who's really good at their job or who can play an instrument really well or sing really well, it to me is like a very attractive trait. Mm. So so yeah, I'd say so. And then introducing the class element then i can imagine that in certain circles playing the piano really well is really respected and it's like wow that's so talented but would it be fair to suggest that in other circles you might be sneered at for being you know a bit poncy or something i don't think anybody would be sneered at you know in my family for example if they turned up and could play piano i think they'd say oh that's brilliant well done I think if you turned up and said, 
I can play the harp. <laughs> maybe maybe it'd be a different well, reaction. And this is it. What about something on? The, what about like the clarinet? Yeah, like yeah, fine. Pretty good. I mean, the clarinet isn't something that people necessarily are drawn to as a lovely instrument. One of my they? friends at school played the clarinet. Well, I'm, he was I'm very, sure he's very, very good, good in the jazz I'm, band. I'm sure, I'm sure <laughs> they are. Um, but you know, there's something. I don't know, there's something a little bit more accessible about the piano. Definitely, It's something that, you know, you'll have seen in, I don't know, in my head, I'm thinking like East End End pubs, (laughs) right up to classical music concerts um, at home in the Georgian Regency period. Um, So so the piano sort of feels a little bit more accessible um, for some reason, I don't know why. Um, but yeah, maybe instruments like um, the clarinet or the harp. Um, quite interesting. I don't know. My mum used to play the cello. Actually. Really? Yeah. Um, and she said she remembers just taking, to, having to lug it on the bus every yeah, day. Yeah, it's pretty significant. To and from, to and from school. Um, and I, I think she stopped because she, she ended up having a family, to be honest. Yeah, um, I tried to play the violin when I was younger um i got lessons for it but i was thwarted on two fronts so the first (laughs) the first front was um my mum paid for lessons through the school and the teacher turned up two out of ten lessons i think the teacher turned up two out of ten yeah yeah it was the sort of extracurricular thing and he just like never turned up oh that's disgraceful yeah So, so that's not very good no um and then the second reason that i didn't carry on was because i was so poor having not had any lessons yeah um that I was really terrible and so whenever I did try to practice at home my mum had to tell me to shut up because it was so bad which if you can imagine in like you know a a small three bed terrace um (laughs) you're very close (laughs) yeah sure there's nowhere to go and practice in practice yeah yeah one's a box room Oh, okay, right, yeah. right. I was going to say, that sounds pretty spacious. No, no, one, one's a boxroom. Um, so, yeah, so there's nowhere to sort of escape and go and practice, oh. practice in peace. Um, and I ha- so I have tried at various points in my life to play instruments. instruments. Yeah, but things like the fates have conspired against you. Yeah, I Maybe... mean, one, one was out of choice, actually. So I did take up bass guitar in, Very my, cool. in my emo teenage years. Uh-huh. Um, and that was really good. Um, but I sold it when I was 17 for beer money to go on holiday to Lanzarote. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't think I'm a very dedicated musician. That is the best (laughs) reason ever to go on an instrument. Um, Well, maybe we're on something there. Maybe the key to being a good classical musician is that you have to be rich enough to have a big enough house that you can practice without bothering people for like the first couple of years. Mm. Uh, And then they won't tell you to shut up. And also to have your own instrument as well. So the violin, my mum had loaned um, from, I think, one of the teachers at school Mm. Um, so it wasn't it wasn't my violin and I had to book it out to, in order to to practice on it so yeah. you know I didn't like there is a genuine kind of resource angle to um, becoming a musician I guess if you sort of equate it to a sport you know getting good at football all it requires is a couple of mates yeah. somebody who's got a football and a couple of jumpers to make goalposts go. yeah absolutely and on you go yeah. whereas you know any instrument i think is incredibly expensive unless you're looking at i don't know the recorder 
or a harmonica. Yeah, but nobody... Well, number one, playing the harmonica well is super cool. Oh, it's so cool. Um, and number two, the recorder isn't so cool. No, um, have but, played that as well. But that's so interesting as like another area to branch into because I personally don't like the opera. I'm just going to put it out there. I think mm. it's pretty dull. Um, it's just people... I remember going to see Aida once at the Royal Albert Hall, right? Super famous opera that's yep. like, was supposed to be one of the best. Royal Albert Hall, amazing venue. And I had this bloody programme that was telling me what was going on. And I was sat there through it, trying to follow along with the storyline. It's been like, there's no way that what is happening up there is what is being described <laughs> on here. This is nonsense. Yeah. Um, but the opera's a pretty sort of posh pursuit, I think, generally, isn't it? It and is, yeah. So, so I guess this brings us on to the next thing. So let's say the, um, it just so happens, which is brilliant, that you and I have similar music taste in lots of areas. But if you were going to go on a date with somebody and they said, oh, do you want to go to the opera? That sends quite like a clear message, yeah. I think, doesn't it? That, um, that could be quite alienating for quite mm. a lot of people. Maybe if they think, oh God, you know, the opera, what's that all about? Um, am yeah. I going to... Like, what would that, if, if you, back in your hinge days, <laughs> if you can cast your mind that far back yeah. to a former life, if somebody early doors was like, hey, do you want to go to the opera? Instead of saying, oh, should we go to this gig or something? How would you respond to that? I'd have, I'd have said yes, Mm-mm. because um, I'm kind of, I guess, interested in trying new, new things. Sure. And going to the opera isn't, uh, I've only ever been once, I'll tell you why and when in a minute but um yeah I've only ever been once so that's you know a nice opportunity to go and try try anything but it would definitely um inform my judgment of that person and you know how posh they were or not as in probably very yeah definitely or at least trying to be yes well that's quite interesting isn't it yeah there is a certain pretension that goes with it it's not like organic posh maybe that's yeah. a weird concept. Yeah. Oh, interesting. But you know it's like I mean? a way for the middle classes to elevate themselves. Yeah. It feels like you're trying very hard because I so struggle to believe that anyone genuinely <laughs> enjoys it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I think classical music is beautiful, but yeah. I'm not a big fan of the opera. I think the opera is just soaps for posh people. Like that is literally all it That's is. That's interesting. So I love that you mentioned soaps there. Complete non sequitur. We had this conversation. Well, that's what they're once. called, isn't it? A soap opera. So it makes sense. <laughs> There's no way. Is that not what it's, what the origin of the name is? Do you I know? don't know, but that would be mad if that was true. <laughs> so I remember once that you, when we were early on talking about this whole concept, and you said to me, "Oh yeah, we should talk about soaps one time." Yeah. And I stared you completely blankly. I was like, <laughs> "Imperial leather? Is that the thing? Like lush? Is that it?" But you meant like soaps as in on TV, on like TV? EastEnders or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, God, that could just be a whole episode in itself. I don't <laughs> understand the appeal of that. Television takes. Yeah, quite. Um, but no, I'm not, I don't think there's a connected. Uh, l- listeners, if anyone out there knows why they're called soap operas and it's if it has anything to, be, though, to do with the opera. Because it's, it's high drama. That's all it is. <laughs> it's not it is high, high drama. drama. I mean, have you ever seen EastEnders? No. No, every now and then, while my grandmother was still around, she was with us at Christmas, she'd be watching EastEnders, and it was just people screaming at each other, 
it was just like it, I just never saw the appeal it was like look we're having lovely family Christmas but what you want to go and do is take some time out from your Christmas to watch other people be miserable <laughs> and scream at each other and inflict horrible things on each other well, but maybe it makes people who are watching it feel better about their own lives in in some way I Amazing. don't know I don't actually like soap so I don't know why I'm coming to their defense but you know for a lot of people it's a way to sort of be immersed in a story it's mm-hmm. dramatic it's probably shitter than the life you've got so <laughs> great great reason um you know a bit of schadenfreude in there absolutely um and yeah i can sort of und- i can rationalize the appeal of it even if i don't necessarily like it myself i did used to like emmerdale and coronation street though i have to say never really? got into hollyoaks Oh, I remember watching Hollyoaks at school, actually. That's funny. Well, yeah, but that makes sense because that's that's the soap with fit people in. Ah, well, there we go. So, yeah, like a a, a boarding house of 60 or 70 teenage (laughs) boys. Maybe that's the one to tune into. I mean, we have Um, we have really gone. uh, We have really gone off kilter. Yeah, the Range Rover's off the track again. So we'll drive it back on. So, yeah, so I have been to the opera Mm. um, and the ballet. Oh yeah, very nice. Um, both times I took myself there on on like a date. Oh. I booked myself a little ticket. A date for one. A little date for one. Yeah, no, it's That's not nice. sad. Don't pity me. It was I'm a not. it it's was just, an empowered choice. Sure. Um, and I went because I wanted to know what all the fuss was about, basically. Fine. Yeah. So I went to see. I think it was La Boheme. Okay, classic. Um, lots of people there. I was in the cheap seats up at the top. Um, but the environment is so beautiful. Uh, I loved the kind of music side of it. Didn't really care very much for the storyline. I thought it was a bit dour, really. Could you follow the storyline all right? Yeah, but they had English subtitles um, running on this, like, little screen thing up at the top. Okay, okay. So I could, uh, you know, I could follow it because of that. Um, But the best thing about going, so it was at the London Coliseum, the best thing about going was in the interval, I went went to get myself a glass of wine, and uh, they were selling sausage rolls at the bar. That was great. <laughs> so I felt instantly more at ease of <laughs> when I was there. Um, yeah, opera and ballet houses start flogging more ginsters pasties. Yeah. <laughs> no, these were posh sausage rolls. Like uh, they were thick. Mm, you know, T H I C C. Absolutely, they were thick. Excellent. Um, it was a good sausage roll. Anyway, um, and sort of a similar story for the for the ballet. Really, you know, managed to get myself a fifteen pound ticket and thought, to be honest, I'd rather fifteen go- quid. That's yeah. good. Yeah, if you're kind of on your own, you can often last minute get really good, um, really good deals just to mm. go. And they're just such lovely environments. And I really yeah. liked the ballet, actually, by comparison. Um, but it isn't it isn't a thing that I've been brought up um, doing or going. It wasn't a treat to go to the ballet or anything. It just wasn't yeah. a thing. That's um, interesting, though, because I've only ever been when I was a small child. I went to see the Nutcracker as a kid, I remember. Yeah, and that was common. excellent. But I think that the premise of, you know, this podcast and the general consensus is I'm pretty posh. Yeah. That's what we started with in episode one. But going to the opera and the ballet hasn't been a part of my life at all, really. I've been like no. once or twice. No, but I'm guessing you went to see The Nutcracker at Christmas. Uh, probably, yeah. I so think that's right. we went to Panto. That's what we uh, went to see at I've Christmas. never been to Panto in my life. There you go. So mm. I actually think that this is like Christmas theatre trips, very English, you know, yes. or whatever. Yeah. Um, but a very English thing to do, but it forks. And I think, you know, if you're middle or working class, you probably go to the panto. Yes. And if you're middle and upper class, you probably go to the ballet to see Swan Lake or The Nutcracker or some, you know, some sort of lovely That's film, very uh, good. lovely 
production yeah, like that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so wonderful little um, trip into theatre land there. But going back to music, yeah. is it right? So are there certain bands as well that are posh or not? So like, to flip it the other way around, I'm not a big fan of Morrissey. Just no. putting it out there. Don't like his, his voice, I think. It's yeah. like not Those the one. Politics are quite difficult to yeah. uh, engage with as well, um, to put it mildly. Well, and also just not really something, even back in the days before he went um, off on all this veganism stuff, etc. Yeah. The, the, not really something I can relate to. So I guess a lot of it's just lost on me. Um, yeah, but then I've played, like, a couple of weeks ago, I was playing this mess in the kitchen and dancing along to stuff. And you were like, oh, okay, this is actually quite good. I hadn't really engaged with it before. Hmm. Yeah, so I think that music in certain genres, so like within the rock slash pop genre, um, I think that music's pretty universal, isn't it? Like, yeah, it's quite sort of democratic almost. Yeah. It's a unifying thing that probably cuts across class divide a little bit. Definite, definitely in the rock space, like we'd have probably have been to a few of the same gigs when we were younger because we were both into quite similar music, I think. Yeah. Um, and what's interesting is I can reveal live on this podcast that Chris Martin, the lead singer of Coldplay, went to the same school and even boarding house as I did. Oh, God. So. <laughs> oh, um, Christ. So, you know, again, Coldplay's music spans class in terms of appeal. But, um, yeah, you know, some of us have a closer connection to <laughs> oh, it. <God>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. There's definitely... There's definitely some genres of music that feel posh. So mm. opera and classical music, definitely posh, I think. Yeah. Um, uh, to, to kind of, I guess if it's not to like those things, then it's definitely to partake in the stuff that goes around it. Yes. Either playing the instruments involved or going to performances of that music. Uh-huh. Um, I guess this is where things like BBC proms um, are amazing because they're supposed to kind of democratize that genre and make it accessible for lots of people although it definitely isn't because you have to be you know pretty well connected to get a ticket and able to travel to the royal albert hall in london yeah yeah um but you know i quite like the sort of idea the idea behind it um and then there's yeah there's some there's some genres of music that feel much more unifying like rock that doesn't really feel like it's got a class element to it and then you move into stuff like grime or rap and that's the other end of the spectrum and is considered a lot more kind of working class yes and i think you know um going back to our professional rapper episode still one of the best (laughs) especially the first five minutes sore from curling um yeah i think go sort of thinking about that it's almost considered i think um a little bit embarrassing if yeah, you're posh quite posh into and into and in into that genre yeah um and somehow a bit i guess not allowed i don't that's not that's not how i necessarily think about no, it no but i but think that's, that's how it's seen vibe. yeah i totally agree with you well it's it's a couple of things isn't it it's like number one you can't really relate to what this music's all about yeah and number two you know, especially with uh, people like Stormzy, they have a certain accent that in recent years really they lean into to mm. create a unique sound that is like, this is how South London sounds. This is yeah. grime. And so to rap along, 
it's one thing to do like an American accent to, <laughs> to do Eminem or Lil Dicky or something. But then if I was to try and do, if I was to try and do some Stormzy, that would just be yeah. a whole ridiculous next step that I couldn't do without being ridiculous. It would. Um, and the converse is I don't really think there's anyone singing popular music in a posh accent that people would impersonate or not. Like you, you could you wouldn't mm. pick up from Coldplay's greatest hit that Chris Martin uh, went to the went to a private school necessarily. No, true, but I do think there's kind of a, a particular type of um, lady who sings with acoustic guitar, mm. which is quite a posh sounding softly spoken english accent yeah that does um, make sense you know it's not a broad lancastrian accent that she's no, singing <laughs> her name might be like pandora or something yeah. and she's yeah. got a guitar and it's all lovely she wears yeah, flowers exactly in her that. hair and it's all good <laughs> yeah i can see that um the, the other funny thing about it as well is i remember going to a, a classical music concert of a friend of mine he was in a, a choir and something that's so interesting with all this class stuff is how intentionally or not it's quite well designed to be exclusive mm. and it's like do you know how to conduct yourself when you're in certain environments or not yeah. and do you know the codes yeah. of conduct and the mannerisms classical concerts are weird and the reason i say that is i remember going to this um performance with a friend of mine we were sat there in the audience and basically for large parts of classical music concerts they'll finish a sort of a movement yes. and then nobody's allowed to clap. You're not allowed to do anything. It's so weird. It's yeah, so weird. And I haven't been to that many. So I sort of was moved to want to clap and then would realise that nobody else was going for it. And it's really bizarre. So again, it's sort of, even if you grow up on an estate and you're one of the rare people that listens to classical music and you're like, oh, well, this is actually does it for me. I don't like the grime. I like the violins. Yeah. If you go along, you'd feel so out of place because all these people are acting in such a peculiar way. Yes. But they've all learned that's how it's done because they go regularly and you wouldn't know. So you'd feel very ostracised. Yeah, you just have to sort of sit and observe. I've I've been to a couple of concerts at Wigmore Hall, mm, yeah. which is just behind Oxford Street. I think and that's they... where this performance was, actually. Oh, yeah. it's, it's lovely, actually. Really lovely. Um, a really lovely space. Mm. And if you're under the age of 30, which, darling, you no longer are, but I still am... Um, just as a reminder um you can get tickets there for five pounds so it's really accessible like more accessible than cinema and yet that environment does not attract um either younger people or i would probably guess people from a working class background for exactly the reasons that you um outline there so i think it's i think it's really difficult because lots of Lots of kind of um, artistic institutions, you know, like the theatre, like opera houses, you know, what have you, have a really hard job of trying to reach out to new audiences and to make it accessible. But it seems to me as though some of the practicalities aren't necessarily always addressed. So the cost practicality is addressed. Um, but the convention side of it, like you say, nobody teaches you that. And that's so weird. No, there's no pamphlet when you go in of like, is it Here's your first what... time here? That's Here's what so to true. expect. Yeah. Um, and it's like if you go to a rock concert or anything else, like if you go, one of our favourite venues is Camden Roundhouse. Yeah. If you go there, everyone doesn't act the same. Yes. Like people <laughs> whoop at different points or clap or shout yeah. or scream or whatever. Um, it's just a freer environment. So 
Yeah, so interesting. Uh, classical music world, maybe wake up to that. Yeah. Um, to, to go right back to where we began with this then, I guess that music, like most other things that we've discussed, does have these sort of class elements to it. And, you know, that can bleed into lots of things like dating and uh, like how you spend your leisure time. And some people might go to the opera <laughs> i don't believe they're doing it because they like it i think they're doing it because <laughs> it's a, exactly a great place to be seen that's definitely why i did it anyway. yeah get down to glyndebourne <laughs> get the get the black tie on and then pretend you're enjoying it um and that that's still another area that the things can break down on and so early doors some of that signaling and stuff when you're dating of like oh well i'm into x y and z does still send a certain message and and um, yeah, not everyone's quite on the same level playing field with it. But then there are other areas. So maybe you just play it safe, like a nice uh, popular music concert <laughs> in in a venue, in an accessible venue, and then you can avoid some of the pitfalls. Then maybe later suggest opera. I don't know. That's sort of my vague thoughts on music. What do you think? Yeah, I sort of, um, I think back to an interview that I think Noel Gallagher did, talking about the first time he managed to get his hands on a guitar oh, yeah. and um, obviously where that kind of took him and um, an oasis later on in life. And he, and he talks about the fact that he's not a very proficient guitarist. Um, uh, but, you know, kind of this getting access to an acoustic, I think it was an acoustic guitar as his first guitar. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, and his sort of mind and being able to write songs that kind of come from a, a place of truth, I think, is what what he said. Um, it does make me think about how accessibility in music is such a big issue. Mm, mm. Um, and, you know, if you give somebody like Noel Gallagher from a council estate in Manchester access to a musical instrument and not even any tuition... yeah. Um, amazing things can happen yeah like it's it's pretty incredible so it does make me sort of it does make me think about that accessibility point um Mm. and maybe what needs to be done to change it to be honest but yeah i think um there's definitely a class divide in music and i think that's that's where it it that's where it starts yeah yeah and well as i say um all of my friends that I was at school with I can think of play at least one instrument. Yeah. And that's probably not true of most people across the country, I don't think, in their experience yeah, at school. Definitely. Um, so, yeah, something to think about. And again, that might just be another point that uh, if you start dating somebody and they're just terribly familiar with how music works because it's just obvious because they've always grown up with being able to play instruments and have access to, you know, mm. how it all works. That might be another thing that might be a bit alienating. You know, you might feel a bit inferior or something if you yeah. don't know how it's... And it's not all comfortable and easy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, an interesting one. God, music. Yeah, you know. it's a good one. Is there nothing that this subject doesn't touch? <laughs> Who knows? Um, well, if, if you have been touched by music... <laughs> I'm glad you finished with by music at the end there. Uh, or, nice. or by anything else no but in particular by music <laughs> then then we'd love to hear from you as always um we have been hearing from some of our listeners on other subjects and i'm really pleased that we've got a cracking call back to our fashion episode to explain one of the good. big topics so it's time to dig out our call back jingle and have a come again 
come again. So this is a callback to our fashion episode, where if you guys remember, we discussed the phenomenon that is the belt. The posh belt. Yeah, and that if you Google posh boy belt, it's literally the first thing that comes up. If, you've, um, if you're a madman and you're, you're not listening to our podcast in sequence, the posh belt uh, is a um, elaborate, colourful, woven um, belt, essentially, mm. with kind of some geometric or kind of tribal inspired patterns um, yeah it, it, and posh boys mainly in the south south <laughs> wear this belt all the time everywhere it's a uniform it tends to be sort of leather diamond shapes yeah. encased in sort of bright colored uh, fabrics around mm-hmm. um anyway if you haven't if you don't know what we're talking about First of all, Google it, but then also just keep your eyes out on the street and you will definitely see them. We, we saw one this morning. <laughs> yeah, I was just about to say. <laughs> we, an older we, gentleman yeah. and he had a slightly less loud version of the belt on. It was a very, you know, yeah, mature bit and subdued. mellow mm-hmm. um, uh, tonal brown offering. Yeah, but still the belt. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we were one day out of lockdown and we clocked one in the wild. Um, so we sort of wondered uh, in episode seven what that was all about. Turns out we now have an answer. Ah, very thanks good. Thanks to one of our listeners, Katrina, who has written in on the official channel. Thank you, Katrina. Lovely email. Now to get right to the point, she says this. I have the answer to the belts with the triangular colours sewn in a pattern along a piece of leather origin that all posh boys slash fathers wear. So here it is. Here it is. It's like discovering the Rosetta Stone. (laughs) (laughs) As we unlock the mysteries. I'm so excited. (laughs) There are two varieties. One lot come from South America, brackets, very gaucho, and one lot come from Kenya slash Tanzania, brackets, very Maasai. <laughs> so there's two styles. Both places that posh people like to holiday. So maybe I should have said Kenya rather than Kenya, depending yeah. on what variety of posh you are. I don't understand that at all. No, but that's one for another time. Um, but for those that don't and would like others to think that they have been there, there is a solution. <laughs> Twice a year... There are these posh fairs, brackets, spirit of summer, spirit of Christmas, at Olympia in London, where posh mummies go to buy those (laughs) hard-to-find presents for sons, nephews, husbands, brother-in-laws, in in fact, all the men in their lives. (laughs) Voila! There are several stalls, often set up and stocked by posh women, selling those self-same belts, and for a hefty fee, they are happy to sell you a little bit of poshness and the feeling that you might just have picked them up on your summer-slash-winter sun holidays, thus making everyone happy. I should also note that you can buy dog collars in the same (laughs) style. (laughs) Heavily stocked in the Labrador size. So thank you, Katrina. She also finishes her note, by the way, by just noting to us that her husband doesn't know about the belt thing. He just owns two. (laughs) So clearly she's been tapping up the Olympia market. But that is a spectacular email. Perfect. Solving the mysteries. Um, I, I love that as an explanation. And what I really like about it as well is... I just think that it must have hit a tipping point when a certain yeah. number of posh people owned it and then everyone else went, oh, right, that's what I should be wearing if I want yes. to be like in the in crowd. And now it's just a thing. Yeah. And 
my personal response to that belt is like, I'm not wearing that sodding belt. Has anyone ever bought you one? No. I mean, maybe I've just, yeah, I'm, I'm attracting the wrong present givers. I don't know. <laughs> but um, but yeah, like the idea of just looking like everyone else with it doesn't appeal. But I yeah. think for lots of other people, they... God, you're such me. a hipster. <laughs> I know, right? So alternative. <laughs> anyway, mystery solved. Get yourself down to Olympia for those markets if you want to look like uh you know michael portillo michael portillo <laughs> or a certain other gentleman or if you want to get your labrador uh, a wonderful collar i'm not gonna lie when we get a dog and mm. it is a when not an if <laughs> just fyi we are getting him one of those collars i would love that. him or her him they're or unisex her. that's they're, a great uh, thing well when you're a dog especially yeah <laughs> so some wonderful correspondence there. Thank you so much for writing in, Katrina. We loved that. Um, for anyone else that wants to write in, you too can send an email. Darling, what email address do they send emails to? You can email us at poshthingsmyboyfriendsays at gmail.com or you can slide into our DMs on Twitter and Instagram. At poshthingsmy. Okay. Excellent. So we look forward to hearing from you. And if you can spare the time on Apple Podcasts to subscribe and also give us hopefully a five star review, that would be amazing. We only welcome five star reviews, just FYI. But we do welcome every listen. So thanks, guys, for all the listening. And we'll be seeing you next week. Ta ra! So this is a follow-up to our fashion episode where, if you guys remember, we spoke about the belt. Oh, shit.